All right, I want to welcome on my next guest. We've got a very special guest. We got longtime Washington football and D and Buffalo Bills defensive standout, two-time Pro Bowler, and longtime Walter Payton Man of the Year nominee, Mr. Lorenzo Alexander. Lorenzo, how's everything going for you? I'm doing uh, great this morning, Zach. How about you? Doing well, doing well. Um, so how's everything been going for you? We're almost a year into the pandemic. It looks like we're, we're hitting the finish line. How's everything been going for you and your family? I mean, overall, um, our family's been uh, pretty well. Um, you know, I've been very fortunate and blessed uh, to have resources and access yeah. to, you know, a lot of things. And, uh, I, you know, the hardest part is just to watch, you know, people suffering, you know, around you. We've had a couple of family members get sick. We, had, you know, had some, some passing in our families as well. And so, um, you know, we've had to grieve and, and work through those instances. Yeah. But uh, I would say overall, uh, you know, when you take the, 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 the big scope of things, yeah. we do, we're doing pretty well. And so um, it's been a blessing as well in, in a lot of ways, transitioning out of football and um, it's really allowed me to kind of re-engage my family in, in so many ways and, um, uh, and get to know them. You know, the world really stood still for several months there and coming right out of football, it allowed me to slow down and spend time with them and hang out and uh, kind of re-energize versus just jumping straight into something else, which, yeah. I probably would have done because as of right now, you know, my hands are full and juggling family and, and a couple of other ventures that I've, I've kind of gotten into. And I have a question. Are you, are you officially retired? Cause I saw you told Pat McAfee, Buffalo is still interested in you. You could maybe jump back in. <laughs> no, I'm officially retired. It would, it would have to be some special circumstances for me to come back out. And at this point, having removed myself from the game and having relaxed mentally, yeah. What those cats do out there, you know, uh, on Sundays and even in practice, what people don't really get to see is crazy. So I, I, I'm done being crazy and I've, and I've moved on and, and I'm on uh, some, some other things, some bigger things that God has planned for me. So if, so if they're out, so if Buffalo's outside linebacker can't play in the Super Bowl next year and they give you a call, you're busy? You can't, you, you, or is the door one, open? One game I may be able to muster it up, but I, right. I, I really doubt it. And, I, and I'm definitely <laughs> going to call me. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm low on in the roller decks hitting somewhere. How cool was it to see all their success this season? It was great. Um, it, it wasn't unexpected for me. I mean, it was something that I knew that they, they were capable of doing and, you know, I you know predicted that they were going to be in the AFC championship game and whether or not they were able to take that next step was, was, was yet to be unseen. Um, obviously, um, they didn't make it, and I know they're going to grow and get better from it, much like they did after our 2019 loss to Houston. Um, that's what, you know, a lot of, you know, the success is is based around. Everybody is athletic and can play and coaches can scheme up, but it's dealing with those moments, uh, especially if you've never experienced it as a unit, as a team. Um, you know, how do you overcome? How do you grow so that you can get back? And we've seen that countless times with other organizations where they get there, lose. Next year, they grow a little bit, then maybe lose early. And then finally, that third, fourth year, they're able to culminate all their experiences, uh, you know, getting better, maybe adding a few pieces here and there and be able to get over that hump. And, and I have the, the, the utmost confidence in Sean and Brandon and, and those men in that locker room, they'll be able to accomplish that. Are there any positions of need you think they should address either in free agency or the draft? Do you think they can just get even better? Uh, I mean, you can always add pass rushers, right? Um, I think that's somewhere where they probably need to, to be uh, more consistent, be able to uh, generate that with the front four. I think Jerry Hughes does an excellent job and, yeah. and is really underappreciated in a lot of ways oh, yeah. because he doesn't have the actual 
sack, you know, numbers that 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 column doesn't fill up. But as far as what he's able to do, I think he's great. And to be able to add a younger guy, a younger piece, which, which they started to do, right? They brought in AJ and Vanessa, um, had to deal with a, a COVID offseason for a rookie, which is really hard. And we saw him kind of um, mature throughout the season. And so that, but I, I still think, you know, having that guy uh, that you can almost count on, a guy that can Jerry can can uh, mentor and, and, and be that, that transition guy that they go to once Jerry decides to move on uh, is something of need. And, you know, I don't, I don't know. Everything else, I mean, they, they're really built in probably another corner trying to figure that out. I don't know, uh, you know, whether it's Levi Wallace, whether it's another veteran guy somewhere that's out on the market. Yeah. Or finding somebody that's opposite of Tredavious White that they can keep in there and stay in there because, yeah. you know, it's kind of been a new trend of this rotation, uh, you know, type thing where they, they've used, you know, multiple guards or multiple corners, yeah. which those spots to me are like sacred where it's not like a running back or wide yeah. receivers or, you know, pass rushers coming yeah. in and out. Those are guys that you want out there down in and down out kind of locking it down because continuity, I think more so is more important than, than uh, trying to figure out who's playing best at that yeah. particular time. And then, uh, and then at running back, do you think Moss and Singletary can get it done? Or would you bring in another guy? No, I think those guys have what it takes. You know, obviously, uh, again, you know, Zach being a young guy, being a rookie, having a another year, another offseason to grow and mature and understand yeah. what it means to be uh, a professional. He's done a great job as far as in the community and doing things of that nature, but just getting being healthy and being able to sustain the workload of what is going to care, what it means for him. Um, and I think he's going to produce, and, and I like their, their complementary skill sets that they both bring. Um, you know, when I think about uh, Singletary and what he's done and Shifty out of the backfield, um, he can also run in between the tackles. I think those guys are, are good, you you know. But just in the world we live in, we, you, yeah. everybody's always looking for oh, well, where's our you know Alvin Kamara at or our Christian McCaffrey? <laughs> when I mean, you, they're great to have those pieces, but those yeah. guys didn't win the Super Bowl either, right? So yeah. I think continuity, having those guys as far as character and what they mean to the organization, I think those are guys that you want to roll with. And then if you stumble upon somebody. Yeah. Um, that's able to add you add them, but I'm not that's not my my highest priority. That's not what I'm going to go out and look for because I think both of those guys are dynamic in their own right and collectively together, um, they can be special. Were there any of the guys like in the rookie class from last year that maybe you hadn't heard of that you were like, I can't believe like the front office, like like these guys are doing their job, like this guy's unbelievable. Uh Gabriel Davis. He's uh, unreal. He, UCF, uh, yeah, he's yeah. unbelievable. Yeah, you know, I, I had opportunity to kind of watch uh, training camp from afar last year and just kind of, you know, helping out the linebackers. And he was one of the guys that consistently popped to me. It's like, man, this dude is nice. Who was them? I, you know, I had to call a couple of guys. Who was 13 out there, man? He looked, yeah. he's catching everything, making plays. And so, uh, you know, obviously to be able to find him uh, where they did and yeah. get a lot of value out of, out of his production. Uh, he's going to be a guy that, you know, continues to ascend. And, and yeah. again, uh, having a, a off season with the team and even though it still may not be a traditional off season, yeah. having that familiarity and, 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 and already having a foundation where he can grow from, yeah. uh, he's going to be a guy that can really step in, yeah. you know, especially when you think about that, the exiting of uh, John Brown. Yeah. Uh, if Gabe can take that next step, 
Uh, and then obviously Cole Beasley and then Diggs, you know what he's able to do and get Dawson Knox back in the mix. Um, that is still a very formidable yeah. group as far as what they're able to do. And I, I and I um so yeah, so so I'm excited for them. Signing to see what they do. Do you listen to Cole Beasley's rap on Spotify? Yeah, yeah. You know, I got I got to check out my boy from time to time, man. I, you know, I, I I do a little podcast. I need I need to actually get him to do me an intro or something. Man. Yeah, that be as bars. <laughs> Did, when, when you first met him, did you think that this guy might be a great rapper? Well, I heard Cole. I mean, he he been he been in the music game for a while. Oh, really? Or yeah, it's, it's not like he started rapping when he got to oh. Buffalo. Uh, he was on. Oh man, the Breakfast Club. I want to say really something with like Charlamagne. That, you know, like with Sway in the morning. Something, yeah. something, something like that. And he was on there like years ago. And I was like, man, this dude, got, you know, got a little, got some flow to him, you know. And so, uh, you know, I call him Water. That's his like self-given nickname. Uh, we call him Water. But uh, yeah, Cole is is a great dude, man. Really love being around him. Love his personality, his energy, and uh, his family. So, uh, yeah, the dude, the, the dude has it. And he surprised you, right? You know, you don't think this little white short receiver is going to be able to have the swag. Oh, no. and, uh, you know the bars that he that that he that he that he can produce. So it's a uh, it's cool when you when you meet guys and, and people like that that surprise you and give you the unexpected. Absolutely. And then did you did you have any uh, kind of big takeaways from the season outside of COVID? Just kind of maybe teams that surprised you or guys that you thought played exceptionally well. I'm just uh, this league as a whole. Yeah, uh, the league as a whole. Uh, I mean, I, I was watching a ton of football all over the place. I mean, obviously, like a guy like Claypool. Um, in Pittsburgh, saw a lot of them, you know, really popped, got a lot of love going around. Um, that's probably the biggest, the thing that was shocking to me that, that just really stood out was just like all of the injuries that guys yeah. were sustaining, especially early on in the season, yeah. um, to significant players, guys that were game changers. Um, and so that was, that was hard to watch and see. But yeah, I got a chance to see Claypool play a lot just from, you know, watching them. And then um, uh, the Washington football team as well. Um, just watching Chase Young, um, I, I did some post game stuff for them, so I watched a lot of that that tape. And that that dude is a, just a monster. Just seeing how he flies around, you know, everybody talks about how he rushes the passer and and uh, can get after the QB, but the dude just plays hard, and he has like this uh, this is mentality. I mean, he's always engaged in the game. I mean, it's he's it's time for him to sit down and kind of rest and recharge, and he's out there barking at the the opposing. Uh, team's defense and and it's just it's just fun to watch a guy uh, in the generation that he's associated with be almost a throwback player in yeah. the sense of the way he approaches the game from a mentality standpoint. So that 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 was really refreshing to watch. You you can tell that wild card game he was playing a little banged up against Tampa. Yeah, yeah. I mean that's everybody's banged up. I mean if you yeah. get to a postseason and you ain't dealing with something. You either ain't playing or you ain't playing hard. I mean, you know, it's either one of the two. It's it's rare that you can make it all the way that far and not be dealing with something that's nagging, whether it's an ankle, a bruise, something that's bothering you. And the injury rate is ninety or hundred percent, I should say. So uh, yeah, everybody's out there, but I mean, he's a he's a beast. And and, and again, he may not have had the 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 stats um, no. in that game, but he impacted it because yeah. Tampa was obviously worried about it. I mean, yeah. chipping in, doubling in, you have to do those things. And when the team is doing that, that's the utmost respect. What do you think about the signing of Ryan Fitzpatrick last night? 
Um, it, it was shocking. I wasn't I wasn't expecting that to happen. Um, but you know, obviously that team right now is is a little bit in well, it's been in transition for a long time. But yeah. what they was a how they was able to finish the season last year. Obviously, we we I, you know I hated to see Alex Smith get released after everything that he did to to get back. But you know, obviously maybe his body wasn't where it needed to be. You know, in their opinion. But uh, Fitz. Great dude. Had, I've had a chance to meet him, get to know him a little bit, uh, from especially from afar through like E. Wood and Kyle Williams talking about him, just knowing the type of dude he is and had a couple of conversations. And so I know that he's going to be a, uh, a stabilizing presence uh, there. Um, he's going to have an opportunity to obviously compete for that division. And if he can continue to play the way he does, um, um, it's definitely going to push uh, Taylor Heineke and then whoever else is on that roster that's going to compete for that job. But he he has the ability, if he plays the way he was last yeah. year in Miami, yeah. to help that team um, win the NFC East again, you know, especially when you think about the other people in that division. Obviously, Dallas getting Dak back is going to be a yeah. significant game changer and see how their defense plays. But those two teams, um, especially when you add in um, uh, Fitzpatrick, is definitely going to be, I think, the, the top-tier teams in that division once again. Ocho Senka said with Fitzpatrick in the in the lineup, McLaren's going to have 1,500 yards. Yeah, I mean, he, he's going to slaying that ball around, and McLaren is, 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 a, is a baller. Terry's another guy that I got to watch again, you know, very unassuming. Um, I think he won the third round um, two years ago, and I was just, you know, talking to my boy, uh, uh, Antoine Randall about him. We played in Washington. He was out here visiting. Yeah. And he was he was like, man, I had that dude top of my board, you know, a couple of years ago, <laughs> uh, first rounder type. And I don't know why he fell. I don't know if it was because of his height or whatnot. But yeah. uh, Antoine really loved, you know, his number one thing when you look at a receiver is his route running ability. You know, is he able to run the entire route tree? And I'm just trying to pick it like, what does that even mean? People always say that he's a great route runner, but his ability to make everything look the same but do th different things at a high end speed and come out of his breaks and ready to catch the football and make those plays. Uh, he could see that. And obviously Antoine Renalel played years in the league and, and knows what a receiver looks like. And so it was, it was cool to kind of hear what, what that meant and how Terry in particular um, does it better than anybody else. Didn't he, didn't Randall recently, he's with the Lions now, his new receiver coach? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he, he was an assistant down or assistant receivers coach down in Tampa Bay. And then obviously yeah. with all the success that they've had, um, the Lions picked him up as the, the receivers coach uh, awesome. now. So he's going to be uh, doing some real cool things over there. And I, and I expect nothing but the best, especially working with like Anthony Lynn. Um, I had that connection. And so um, he'll fit right in with that group, knowing who A. Lynn is and, and the people that he's going to have on, on his staff. Yeah, no, because Dan Campbell is going to be must-see TV every week. <laughs> yeah. Did, did you ever – did you ever I, – I didn't realize – I never knew he played. Did you ever match up against him? I, I don't believe so. I mean, I, if I caught him, it was at the tail end of his career and the beginning of mine. And so I don't remember playing Atlanta. I was with the – I was with the, the Panthers back then, but I mean, I was on practice for a while, so I wouldn't even have played him. Interesting. Um, so I want to kind of get into your career a little bit. How'd you end up at Cal? Well, I'm from the Bay Area. You know, I grew up in Oakland, California, and that was always one of the, the schools um, that my family at least wanted me to go to. My, my, my grandfather was a huge uh, Cal fan and wanted me to go there. He passed away when I was young, and so that was something that my mom kept alive um, in his memory 
Um, but at the end of the day, I mean, I could have went anywhere. I was a, a top, uh, you know, uh, uh, a five star, uh, probably like a top five recruit in the country and, and had my opportunity to go to various places. But at the end of the day, I wanted to find a great blend of, of academics and athletics. And Stanford at the time was actually, uh, I would say, more the marquee school to attend because they were contending for national championships. And obviously Stanford is world renowned academically. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, I didn't get in. That was one of the few schools that you actually have to apply to get in as an athlete. <laughs> And I didn't make it through that process. You know, I had like a, a three, four in my sophomore year. My SAT scores was only a 1050. And I that wasn't good enough for Stanford. But that was their loss. And uh, I ended up going to Cal, which was secondary to me. Now, football-wise, they weren't as good. But the cool thing about it was that I was part of, much like in Buffalo, part of that culture change of, I think, my first year there, we were at 1 and 11, like 1 14 out of 115 D1 schools. And by the time I left, we were top five in the country. Uh, and then obviously I had a great academic opportunity too. Um, but we had the Aaron Rodgers, you know, Marshawn Lynch's, Brandon Meebangs. I mean, just a ton of guys and, and uh, talent on that team. And to be a part of that process, that's kind of really how my, my career has been in a lot of ways to help organizations change. And then I, and then I kind of move on. What was a young Marshawn Lynch like? You know, obviously I got to play with Marshawn at Cal and now was at like around the same time, uh, AP, Adrian Peterson was coming out. And obviously I'm a biased dude. I mean, he's from, he's from my hometown. I get to play with him. I get to see him every single day. So I always thought um, money was better, was a better bet. And an all around back, AP is probably the better pure runner, just like running back for what, what Marshawn and by the towards the end of his career, he was a bigger guy. But Mark, I mean, playing at 240, but when Marshawn yeah. was 205, 215, you could, you know, throw a ton of screens to him. You could motion him out. Uh, you know, he could run the route tree, would do some things outside, especially in college, because uh, Jeff Tefford was a pro style offense, uh, offensive mind, and would utilize him in different ways and, and take advantage of those matchups and his skill set. And so I always thought uh, Marshawn was a, the overall just better back, even though both of them are great. I just always gave a nod to Marshawn. People look at me crazy. I'm like, he is. Believe me. <laughs> yeah, he's got more rings. Um, so maybe that's it. But um, were you there when when he had the golf cart, or is, is that after you left? No, no, no. That was like his. Uh, that might have been like his junior year, his last okay. year there. But we did, all know about it. Did did you did you see Aaron Rodgers' success early on, or did you were you surprised by? Um, and nobody can can predict a guy is going to be that good for this long. Um, I, I always knew he was going to be good in the league and should have went number one overall that year um, instead of Alex Smith. But I mean, things happen for a reason, and and that really put a chip on his shoulder, unlike any other. Uh, you know, going twenty two to Green Bay. And then having to endure what he had to do there as far as sitting on the bench for five years. And that's, you know, a humbling experience, yeah. especially when you know you have the ability to play at a high level. So I think all those things uh, created who Aaron is today as far as a dynamic passer and seems to always getting better and, and loves the challenge when people count him out to step up. But, I, you know, I, I always thought he was going to be great. I just didn't know he was, he'll be this dominant and this yeah. great and be, you know, one of the top quarterbacks to ever play the game. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a hard prediction to make, you know, yeah. when you look at a guy when he's, you know, 21, 22 transferred from view and, you know, we hanging out and, and doing what we doing 
uh, to say that he's going to be the greatest or one of the greatest of all time. When he first transferred from JUCO, were you like, how the hell did this guy not get any offers? No, no. I mean, I mean, it happens all the time. Uh, and I don't know if he was that dynamic because he didn't even win the quarterback competition initially. It was Re Reggie Ro uh, Robertson, I believe it was. Um, and then Reggie ended up getting hurt in, a, in, a, in one of our early games. And then Aaron got his opportunity and then he took off. So, um, so I, I wasn't surprised because it happens all the time. Um, There's a ton of guys like that, especially from the area I grew up in that you're like, man, how did this dude, why did this dude that Juco? <laughs> and so for it's one reason or another, especially where he was at at that time. I, you know, I think now in today's world, he doesn't get overlooked just because of the social media, the videos. I mean, but back then, man, I can't even find a video of myself even playing anything just yeah. because the digital world was so um, in its infancy stages that uh, it, it was hard to find guys. But obviously got found at some point. And the crazy thing about it is, is that they weren't even recruiting him. They were recruiting um, another tight end from Butte, uh, Garrett Cross, that we were actually, that ended up coming to Cal too. And they got Aaron because they saw what he was doing uh, in Garrett Cross's film. That's unbelievable. I never knew that. That's unbelievable. Do you think it's easier for guys to get discovered now because everything's digital and every, you can every, everything's recorded in social media and everything like that? Yes, yes and no. I mean, I think it's, you know, it, it, you know, I like balance. And so if there's so much information out there, so many things that's going on, and then obviously the, the ability to cut things up and edit it and make it look the way you want it to look, um, I think there's a ton of exposure, but there's also a, a lot of stuff you have to sift through as a recruiter, trying to figure out who who is that guy and who's for real and who's like a pretend. Okay, they just cut up a whole bunch of highlights from different angles, and 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 then they, they their profile looks much better than what who they actually are as a football player. Yeah. So I have a question. Did did you know you were going to go undrafted? No, I thought I would be like a mid round pick. You know, third, fourth, uh, maybe fifth. Um, especially after talking from everybody, but a lot of people share my story. Um, and, and, you know, especially once you get down to the later rounds, if you don't fit the, the mold and, and I didn't, um, you know, especially at that time, I think people didn't quite know what to do with me um, because of my height. That was more of a bigger is better generation. And they wanted guys that was six, five, you know, six, six, 300 pounds. I was six, two, 300 pounds. Uh, and so, yeah, you know, people just missed on, some of the intangibles that I possessed. Yeah. Um, I also had to grow up a lot um, in a lot of ways as far as the way I worked, um, maximizing my ability. And I think people saw maybe some of that, that I wasn't maximizing it. And then also kind of put me in a box and the combination of the two uh, put me in a position where I went undrafted. Um, I was a high priority free agent where yeah. teams were calling me right after the draft, which a lot of guys don't have that opportunity. So even though I went undrafted um, by that time, it was a, it was a, probably a better fit for me to get to choose where I got to go versus being drafted and told where to go. So I saw you spent, you were on two different practice was before you got to DC. What was that kind of, was it like a humbling experience where you kind of put a chip on your shoulder? Um, yeah, it was definitely humbling. I mean, playing for the Carolina Panthers, I was on their practice squad um, in, the, in, the, in the, and I didn't really learn this until probably I got to Washington as far as growing and maturing, but um, my lifestyle and where I wanted to be just didn't add up. Um, and so I had to go through that. I had to grind. Um, 
I had to mature as far as who I was as a person. And, and that really happened once I got to Washington. I got around some guys, some brothers that were really intentional about helping me grow as a man, helped me introduce me to Christ. I had a, oh, cool. you know, a Sean Taylor passing. So I had some real impactful moments when I was in Washington. Um, but yeah, those, those years grinding on practice squad was probably some of the hardest years. Well, the hardest year was 2006 under Joe Gibbs where, I mean, I literally took every single rep possible. And that was back in the day where you had two days at training camp. So training camp, I, I was in Carolina. And so I was down in Walford in the 115 degree heat. That that was trash. And then I come to Washington with uh, an old school, I mean, the old school head coach, right? <laughs> Joe Gibbs 2.0. And the way um, on practice squad, just the way my practice with, I, I never wasn't on the field. I gave the look, the look, uh, defensive line look, look, offensive line look, look, special teams. And so those are some days, especially later in the year when we used to practice Wednesday, Thursday, Friday and have full pads on essentially where there were days where I could barely get up the steps, you know, to my apartment, to my room. Um, and so it was, uh, that was definitely a crazy hard, hard time. What was the, what was the hardest position for you to learn to teach yourself to play? Mm. Probably linebacker. I mean, just standing up. I mean, just going through the transition of standing up was probably the hardest thing because um, you see so much and sometimes you see you see too much and see nothing. And so I had to train my eyes on what I needed to be looking at um, to to so that I could go out there and play the position the best that I could based on my skill set. And so that was probably the hardest transition, just training your eyes and playing blocks from a different perspective because I had never really done that before. Is, is anybody trying to get you as like a to give any interest in coaching? Because you played almost every defensive position. Like you, yeah, you know, yeah. You I mean, the, uh, I've had a couple of teams reach out. Um, I'm I'm not going to get into get into that world uh, just because it's way too much time. I played 15 years, and I know a lot of guys like jumping right back into it. Yeah. But uh, where my kids are at, and and what I want to do, and what I'm really passionate about, I don't need to be in the building to still be around the, the organization. Um, if I'm proud about anything about my careers, about the relationships that I built. And so, you know, I have ample of opportunity, whether it's, you know, especially after we get through this, this pandemic yeah. about uh, going to OTAs for, you know, three days in maybe Buffalo, maybe go down to Tampa for three days and then go to Pittsburgh for training camp. I mean, I just have a lot of relationships out there where I can contact people and be around the game and still yeah. impact guys from a time being or from afar. But to be in it, you know, every day, that's, that's just too much, especially when I think about, um, you know, my, my Zoe's 12, Mason's 10, and Miles is 6. You know, I've I, I was I've been coaching flag football and going in the backyard. When you're coaching, you can't, you can't have that type of lifestyle. It's just too hard, too overwhelming, especially during the season. It's worse than player schedules. So I'm just not – I'm not built for that, you know, at this time in my life. Now, you know, when I'm an empty nester in another – 10, 12 years and, you know, still maintaining relationships if something comes and I, you know, and it looks, looks good, maybe, but right now it'd be more like a consultant kind of coming in, intern, kind of just learning for, you know, a week yeah. or so and then, and then getting out of there. Um, when, when you got, when they brought you to Washington, what would they tell you your role was going to be? They say, Hey, you've practiced with an opportunity to maybe play some special teams or what were they telling you? Yeah, no, nah, it was just straight practice squad. I was just there for a body. I was seen as a body. And um, I didn't even, they, I wasn't even their fir first choice as far as being at practice squad. The other guy ended up uh, pulling his hamstring. And so that gave me the opportunity for 
in our workout, the guy that I was competing against, it was three of us. He pulled his hamstring in the workout and I was like their secondary choice. So just getting in there. And then I remember after that 2006 season, I did pretty well on practice squad as well as you can do. And I remember uh, the defensive line coach saying, yeah, young blood, you just, you're six two, you know, because it's all about being big, tall, and long. I'm like, well, man, I can't do nothing with six. You telling me I'm six two? I can't change that. So, um, I don't think they had a vision for me. I had to, I had to create something for myself, um, along with the teammates around me. So I used to beg Danny Smith, a, hey, hey, Danny, man, put me, put me on teams. Uh, you know, by the way, I ran around and hustled, flying around to the ball. I had to, you know, I had to separate myself in other ways to make them say, mm, I don't know what we can do with this dude. I don't know if I really like his skill set or his, you know, his measurables, but this dude's heart, man, we, we gotta, we gotta put him somewhere, you know, even if it's the last man, we gotta put him yeah. somewhere because the dude is grinding for it. And I'm fortunate enough that they, that the coaching staff at that time appreciated uh, that type of work ethic and that type of grind. Um, and didn't just look at me purely as, okay, what are his measurables? Cause I mean, if you just look at me like that, I'm not, I'm not anything special. I think my yeah. character and, and how I play yeah. is what allows me or what allowed me to play for 15 years. That's unbelievable. Um, what, which of the Washington coaches do you think gave you the best chance, um, in the defense maybe saw more in you than the others? Um, I mean, that's kind of unfair because I progressed and got better as a player. So, I mean, I had my most opportunity with Jim Hazlitt and, 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 uh, under Shanahan, but by that time that was like year, you know, five, six, seven with those guys. And so I had developed, I had been around guys like London Fletcher and Kedrick Ghostin and, uh, Rocky McIntosh and Andre Carter. So guys that, you know, really helped me grow as a, a football player and a person. So Shanahan and, and uh, Jim Hazlitt got the best version of myself while I was at Washington. Other than that, my role was just slightly different with those other two coaches and, and, and Jim Zorn and Gibbs was more of a utility guy. Well, what was RG3's rookie season like for, for the you and the team? Um, it was great. I mean, we won uh, seven games at the end of the season, I believe, to, to get into the playoffs. Um, we played uh, the Seattle and lost, but just that culmination of seeing him come out, thought he was going to be – you know, uh, a generational talent as far as he was able to do that first year. Um, and, but it was a lot of fun. We won a lot of games where we hadn't really won years prior. So um, it, it was a great year. And that was my last year there. So definitely left on a, a high note from a football standpoint. How, how did you end up in Buffalo? Uh, that was the only team that offered me after being in Oakland. So uh, that's how I ended up there. Didn't want to go there, but I'm glad I did because it was – by far the greatest experience I had on and off the field um, in my career. How cold does it get up there in the winter? Too cold. <laughs> Unbelievable. Um, why do you think you thrived in that system? Did they give you more of an opportunity? Yeah, you know, I mean, under Rex Ryan, I mean, he was known for his defensive mind, obviously him, his brother and his dad and that lineage. Uh, just had an opportunity to play. I mean, a lot of guys are like me. Uh, until you get an opportunity to go out there and showcase down in and down out, it's hard to make plays. I mean, even when you think about the top tier guys, right, they get a thousand opportunities to rush the passer and only normally get maybe 12 to 13 sacks. I mean, somewhere in there, you got the guys that are outliers, you know, um, 
that, you know, end up with 20, like a Chandler Jones and 22, you know, those type of guys who are, who are elite and superior. And so that was really my first opportunity um, to go out there and play first, second, third down and rush up the, the, the passer. Um, and I was doing that playing special teams. And that's something else most of those pass rushers don't have to, don't have to endure. And I wanted to do that. So it's not like, uh, you know, I'm complaining about it, but I'm like, to do that and play three special teams is hard yeah. to do. There's only one other guy that I'm aware that has done it at a high level, and that's James Harrison. And I think he might have won defensive player of the year when he did it. And so that just shows you how dominant he was. But yeah, I mean, just give give guys an opportunity to play. Give me an opportunity to play. I'm gonna go out there and, and make some plays. I mean, that's that's easy. Who's who's the toughest who's the toughest quarterback you ever to sack? Probably Ben, just because he's so big and thick. I mean, so it's hard to take him down. Once you get there, you can get to him, but he's just a big body. And those guys you just kind of fall off of because you 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 don't think, okay, he this is a 260-pound quarterback. You know, you're thinking, oh, this, this is a quarterback. Cam is probably another one, too, because he's big and then he's shifty and, you know, long, so he can stiff arm you. So those two guys, once you get there, those are the hardest tackles to get. And then, obviously, Lamar Jackson's probably the hardest guy just to get to touch just because of the way he moves. Sorry. So, so 2016, 2016 season, you, you, you blow up with your 12 and a half sacks. You're killing it. Did any of your former coaches call you and say, like, yo, my bad. We, we should have gave you more of an opportunity. Really? Uh, coaches – Coaches are the most prideful dudes um, that you ever come across. Like, nobody's going to say, uh, well, uh, I did have one GM, though, um, Steve Kine, because I was in Arizona two years prior to that, and I signed a decent deal out of Washington. That's the reason why I left Washington to go to Arizona, and I tore my Liz Frank like the third game of the season that year in 2013, um, and that really was – I missed all of that year. I ended up playing in 2014, but I wasn't the same guy. I got there in 2015. I got cut in 2015 because I, I was still dealing with a little bit of residual effects of that Liz Frank with my knee and some other stuff. And But I was still getting better, and I, and I felt like I looked different. But I got cut, went to Oakland, and ended up in Buffalo. And then after I had that 12-and-a-half sack season, I saw him at the combine. He says, oh, man, I'm sorry. I, should, I shouldn't have cut you. I should have kept you. And so – uh, I will never forget that because I know how prideful guys are in the league and, and not willing to like let people know that they made a mistake. But, uh, you know, Steve Kahn was, is, is probably the only person that's, you know, um, ever said something of, of that nature. Like, Hey man, yeah, I should have kept you out, you know, but you know, guys get caught up in the moment. And I, and I think also think a lot of coaches think they're making the best decision in, in the moment for their team. And so they're never going to apologize for that or, Hey, call and you know say hey we should have done xyz because they because uh the cardinals they got uh isaiah simmons who really doesn't have a defined position similar to sort of you do, do you think they're trying to recreate lorenzo alexander out there in the cardinals um yeah i mean maybe i mean it, it's it's hard it's hard to be, play multiple spots i mean it's not as easy as people make it seem and if you have the skill set that's one thing but you also have to be able to process the shifts because each one is slightly different, slightly different perspective. And he's young in his career. So I don't know if he's quite ready to do that um, yet, especially when you don't have the reps. So, but he has the ability to do it. But when I watch him, because he came from 
I think he came from safety down. Yeah. That is a different that is a different skill set than coming from defensive line and moving yeah. back, right? So I had I had more of a natural pass rush mindset and uh I had more reps there because I was a defensive lineman to tackle defensive yeah. end, then move back. So that allows me to understand, okay, I can rush the pass on third down, how to blitz, how to time certain things up, how are offensive linemen trying to block me. I played offensive line too. So I got to sit in those meetings for a year and a half. And so I had a different, I, I was very unique in not only did I have the ability to do it, but I also had a lot of the knowledge behind some of those positions and how I was being attacked. So I could use that to my advantage. And so I think he has the ability, but he's really raw when it comes to pass rush, but he can fly around like the best of them as far as sideline to sideline. Um, and he has to continue to learn when to be athletic because in this league, you can be too aggressive and people use that against you or you have the wrong angles or you, 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 you try to be, you know, full tilt hundred percent all the time and you just do too much, um, and put yourself out of position. So, but I say all that to say this, that he's a good player. He's just young right now. And then maybe he can develop into, uh, more of a versatile linebackers as in our sense, as far as you know, off the ball, coming down uh, and rushing the pass in the traditional sense uh, because he, he blitzes very well. But that's going to, I think it's going to take time. You have to progress slowly uh, just because he's coming from the back end down versus, you know, starting from the defensive line and moving back. What do you think that defense is going to do next year with J.J. Watt thrown in there? Uh, I mean, obviously they're going to be better. They're going to be more dynamic now. we got to see what happens on the outside because it doesn't look like either one of their corners are coming back. So I know they have Byron Murphy that's going to probably jump in there as well to step up. But Pat P and Drake, uh, Drake or Patrick, it won't be there as of right now, at least. So we'll see how with that dynamic. Because if you can't cover on the outside, I don't care who your D-line is. Um, you know, obviously those guys will get there, but it won't yeah. be as dynamic as it would be if you have two solid corners on the outside. Because coverage and, uh, and pass rush are complementary uh, skill sets. And I, I have a question from a, from a Washington football fan that must have followed your career. I don't know how they remember this. Do you still have the 2017 Genesis G80 sedan that you got for being Pro Bowl MVP? Yeah, yeah. And it's actually a, a G90. They up, they, they, up, oh. they allowed me to upgrade from the G80. <laughs> yeah, so I still have it. Oh, cool. Yeah, cool. I'm not giving that away. That's, 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 a, that's a, 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 a storyteller right there. You know, I can always talk about how, how I hit Jimmy Graham. Uh, you know, late in the game, he got upset with me. And then the next play, uh, my man had alligator arms and I got a pick off my boy, Kirk Cousins. And, uh, you know, was able to pitch it and uh, let my man, my man go to work. Was that, was that Pro Bowl? Was that in Orlando or Hawaii? That was an Orlando one. Yeah. You think they should move it back to Hawaii? Because it feels like. Uh, I mean, I've been to both. I mean, family, family aspect is way better to be in Orlando because of Disney World and, and uh, Universal Studios. And then it's easier to fly more people in. It's, I mean, it's expensive over in Hawaii. So, I mean, we had a, I had like 20 people, 25 people down there hanging out with us. So that was really cool. Oh, cool. So a couple more questions for you. Um, who gave you the nickname One Man Gang? Sean Springs and Fred Smoot. What was what was smooth like to play with? Because I know he he he's little to no filter. Yeah, he was he was good. We actually sat maybe two or three lockers away. We 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 sat in the ghetto, is what he called it. Um, so 
it was me, him, HB Blades, uh, Kedrick might have been down there. Uh, and he always had some jokes. And so you had to have thick skin if you sat down in that corner because everybody was fair game and it, it was it was always a blast. And so I, I really enjoy Smooth. So I want to talk about your foundation, the Aces Foundation. How did that come together and what kind of stuff have you guys been doing? Um, well, I started it back in 2008 with my mom and my wife, and it was really just to impact kids and give back resources. Um, I didn't have my father traditional sense growing up and just really being that, that gap filler for those, those communities and kids like myself. And that's how, you know, why I wanted to give back. Has it been difficult this past year kind of having events and stuff? You guys do more virtual stuff with the pandemic? Yeah, or? yeah, it's been all virtual stuff. You can't have events, obviously. Uh, in some states, it just depends on when it opens up. So here in Arizona, we've been able to do something a little bit just because uh, it's not as locked down and social yeah. distancing, you know, uh, washing the hands, the mask wearing, and, and utilizing all of the, the knowledge that we have to, to, to be in a safe environment. But uh, yeah, it's been mucho virtual. And then I want to ask you, so I saw you st recently started with a new, a new role. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, yeah, it's Avalon Sports Media Group, and um, it's really a, a a group that is partnering with players and just trying to enhance um, what their vision, what their passions are in life, and how they can really um, and how we can really assist them in in a, in, in um, making their impact greater. So whether it's the community, whether it's in business world, whether it's on the football field, you know, as far as me helping them understand the mental side of the game um, and helping them uh, mature as as men. Um, and, and young ladies uh, to help them um, just maximize this, this yeah. short time in their lives. That's awesome. That's awesome. And I just got uh, one last question for you. Was there like a defining moment in your career that kind of stands out more than anything else? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, um, 2007, when I actually made my first team playing the Tennessee Titans, uh, actually one of my boys, Omar, he was with the Tennessee Titans playing running back, came up the middle. I was making an inside move, hit me, helmet popped off, quarterback takes off, I go take off go to tackle the quarterback. My guy, Reed Dowdy, comes in, hits me, and I had like a big scar on the side of my face. But that was really like, I think the coach was like, ooh, this dude is for real. And they that's when I made the team. Reed Dowdy's deaf in one ear, isn't he? Yep. That's unbelievable. I don't know. That's, that's unbelievable. Dude, you were like, hey, watch out. Um, no, that's, right. that's wild. That's wild. Um, and, then, and then how can people find you on social media and keep up with you in the foundation? I'll link everything to here when I post it. Yeah, people can find me at... Uh, um, at one man gang 97 on Twitter, uh, at aces underscore foundation, um, on Twitter, on IG, it's the same at aces underscore foundation. And then Lorenzo underscore John that you can follow me at. Um, and then, um, yeah, you can look us up on Facebook. We're there as well. Cool. Cool. And then my awesome. website is Lorenzo Alexander.org. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to chat for a few minutes today. This has been a blast.